and I just hit record. Uh, I call me uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I just hit record. <laughs> Same joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Burn. Do it, Lanigan. Um, Vern, I have a I have a little joke for you. Oh, a joke. I I have come up with a uh like the joke smiths of old. Uh, you know, whoever came up with all of these these riddles and these knock-knock jokes. The the scholars and smiths that sat down at their parchment uh and and beat out these jokes that we all know. Um, and you know what? Let's circle back around to that topic later. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have crafted a fine joke, uh, out of, out of, out of coal for you today. Okay. Let's, let's hear the joke. As a person who enjoys jokes, uh, I would like to hear this joke. All right. So it's one of these. So it's, uh, it's, uh, Vern. What do you call someone that has sex with Ant-Man in a franchise eatery? Someone who has sex with Ant-Man and a franchise eatery. Uh, I don't know, Kevin. What would you call someone who has sex with Ant-Man and a franchise eatery? Uh, you would call them a Fuddrucker Rudfucker? <laughs> a plus. That's uh, As someone who did jokes very similar to that for a year every day on Instagram, uh, I, I dig it. <laughs> So that's that's mine. That's my big contribution uh, to jokes. Um, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's uh, you know, like I always wondered where it seems just like there's just a handful of jokes that just have always existed in the collective universal consciousness. Right. Like some of them are short, and we all know them. Um, and some of them are these like long story-based limericks. <laughs> but but we all seem to know them and seem to have always existed. But surely, at some point, there must have been some brave soul, you know, chiseling these jokes out of marble. Some, some, some town lunatic who'd been holed up in his shack for years. And they're like, have you heard about J.C. McGintley? He's been holed up in that shack for years trying to come up with a funny joke. And then he comes out and he he tells you the joke about, like, the man from Nantucket. Like, someone had to be the first guy. I was <laughs> just thinking about them. the man from Nantucket. Uh, explic- uh, uh, ex- uh, not explicitly, but I was thinking of the man in Nan- from Nantucket um, in terms of that, everyone knows the first two lines, but no one knows the rest of that limerick. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we as a culture all know this joke enough so that if a, if a TV show, someone on a TV show says there once from, a, was a man from Nantucket, we can cut away and everybody knows what happens next. But, oh my, <laughs> but Kevin. do we? <laughs> Oh, you just awoken something in me. Uh, so, uh, it's Kevin, not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> Kevin, so last year, um, maybe even around this time, my wife fell in love with Star Trek. Okay. Uh, any particular iteration or the uh, concept? Of we started with TOS. We started with the original series. Sure. I like me some original series. I've seen 
the original series used to start airing at 10 p.m. Central Time on ABC okay. uh, in my youth, so I would watch the first half of a lot of Star Treks and then start watching Saturday Night Live. Yes. So I've seen a lot of the setup for episodes of Star Trek without seeing the ultimate conclusion. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's that's where my wife fell in love with it. Um, my, my dad was a big Star Trek fan, so, like, it's always been a part of my life. Um, and like around this time last year, I was like, Hey, it's on Netflix. I'll just throw on an episode. And, uh, from there, my, my wife just became hooked. She became a huge Star Trek fan. We, uh, through the course of just this point last year until, uh, like, I guess November of last year, um, we watched the entirety of the original series and then the animated series, and then all oh the, my God. then the original series movies, uh, and then the Kelvin trilogy, the uh, the reboot trilogy with Chris Fine and uh, Zachary Quinto. Um, yeah, and I, you know, my 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 little uh, uh, controversial opinion is that those movies are pretty good. I like them. They are totally <laughs> fine. They're, uh, they're pretty good. Star Trek in the Darkness. They got a is, great cast. Yeah, great cast. Star Trek in the Darkness is. Maybe the worst Star Trek movie ever, um, but which is uh, you know a fucking bar to cross because <laughs> even even the biggest Star Trek fans in the world will tell you there's some fucking stinkers in there. But yes, I understand. Um, but one and three, uh, especially Beyond Star Trek Beyond, is wonderful. Um, oh, Beyond is wonderful. I really and it almost that makes movie. you wish that they had kind of started there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it almost makes you wish you're like, oh, why weren't they doing this the whole time? It feels like uh, what the first one should have been. The first one is fun, too, but uh, beyond just... But anyway, uh, uh, after, like, traveling and after, like, settling down and moving and all this, we've, we've, uh, we've, take the, we've taken the next step and we've started watching The Next Generation. And uh, there is an episode of The Next Generation uh, that uh, showcases, uh, centers around Data. Uh, Data being the the android aboard the uh, the Enterprise. Data, the antagonist of uh, Master of Disguise. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Brent Spiner, and uh, the the guy who runs the board of directors of movies, uh, who gets assassinated by Matt Damon in Dogma. Uh, Brent Spiner. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and also the, of course, what we should have what. Because Kevin and I will always do, like, a Kevin Smith thing or a Dana Carvey thing before we'll do, uh -huh. like... Yes, he was also the doctor in Independence Day, one of the biggest movies of all time. Uh, one of the biggest movies of all time and a uh, very memorable performance within such. Uh, but no, to me, he is the uh, farting antagonist of the Master <laughs> of Disguise. And no matter what else you show me starring Mr. Brent Spiner, uh, that is what he will forever be. Yes. Uh, but we were watching an episode that centered around uh, data, and for for those of us, those of you listening who uh, just weren't alive in the '90s uh, and aren't aware of Star Trek: Next Generation, because it was on every channel that ever aired during the 1990s, um, Data is an android, and he doesn't quite have a grasp of human emotions. Oh, he just he just can't get the hang of these humans. He just doesn't quite get it. So much so that, like, every episode, someone asks Data to explain something, and he starts giving, like, a Wikipedia entry about it, and then they cut him off, like, Data, that's enough. But there's an episode of TNG that we watched recently where Data tries to learn what jokes are, and... Okay. And he 
he learns like the definition of jokes and he can recount jokes, but because he's an Android, he has no concept of timing or whatever. And one of the first jokes he recounts is, oh yes, Captain, uh, here is a joke. There once was a man from Nantucket. Uh, oh, and... that's quite enough, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've seen this episode. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I've seen any TV show before. So okay, I, gotcha. I uh, know, uh, uh, exactly how that joke is going to go, yes. But, uh, and then Kevin and I were just talking before we, we hit record here in the studio, in the Kevin studio, famously two coasts apart, um, about how every episode of Ke- uh, Kevin, no matter what we're talking about, eventually circles back to a late 80s, early 90s Saturday Night Live cast member. Here's what's going to happen here. Oh, exciting. At one point in this episode of The Next Generation, in Data's quest to learn jokes... He uh, contracts Jan Hooks. <laughs> Jan Hooks. He uh, he starts a holodeck program where he goes to like an old timey like comedy club. Oh, okay, and, okay. I and, was hoping he would just watch old Saturday. Oh, if if I, only. <laughs> um, I shall learn about the history of jokes. It's Saturday Night Live. <laughs> And then Data comes out, and instead of wearing his uniform, he's dressed as It's Pat, and and <laughs> 3,000 years in the future, that does not play. He starts doing his ladies' man routine. <laughs> yeah, it just does not work. Uh, he goes into a holodeck program of an old-timey, like, comedy club, and who else to teach him what comedy is but the MC of this 1980s holodeck comedy club but Joe Piscopo? Joe Piscopo. <laughs> this now is club. this is this the one time Joe Piscopo has appeared in media without doing a Frank Sinatra impression? Uh, no, because he does Frank Sinatra in this. <laughs> <laughs> Even on Star Trek. Even on Star Trek. Uh, Even on Star Trek. He never does like. He never says, like, hey, it's me, Frankie, baby. Hey, Frankie, baby. But he's doing that voice and those mannerisms the entire time. (laughs) Just the (laughs) entire time trying to teach Data the android how to tell jokes on Star Trek The Next Generation. Remember in the past when you could be a uh, a successful comedian... just dining out on a Frank Sinatra impression for your entire career. You could just make that go the entire time. Just do that and then come back during the show's 40th anniversary special and do it again. And do it again and everyone will be like, ah, Joe. Just do it again and have no idea that Bob Odenkirk is sitting in the audience behind you, just frowning, just so upset that this is still <laughs> happening in, like, what was that, 2014, 2015? I was, if I'm thinking about the exact room I watched it in, it would have been, well, it would have had to be 2015 to be the 40th anniversary, would it not? I guess it would have to have been, Yeah. I know that I was living in Missouri. It's when we came up with the idea for Doom to You. Yeah, based on a, a comment thread of, so uh, thanks, Lorne. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we rag on you and your show how it is nowadays a lot, but you've done some good for us. It's a three and a half hour primetime special that aired 
February 15th, 2015. 2015. So even, so even though my brain rem- thinks it remembers what room I watched this in, that would have to be statistically impossible based on when it aired. Uh, so... <laughs> I was I was wrong uh, about what room I watched it in, which is a super cool thing to figure out. Is that uh, what your brain has conjured is impossible? Isn't that super cool. just great when just like you remember something so vividly and you lock onto it and you know that it can't be wrong and you find out that everything about that memory of you that you have is completely wrong, completely false. Your brain is lying to you. It's the strongest part of our human body. It controls everything. And it is so wrong so often. And uh, yeah, no, it's the, my entire life I've been chasing um, what I've since found was an episode of Amazing Stories. Uh, the, the, yes, I know this, but uh, tell, tell our listening audience. Yes. Uh, years ago, uh, much in the same vein as like the Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt, there was a show called Amazing Stories produced by Steven Spielberg. And every episode was a different uh, storyline. Um, it just wasn't always a horror thing. Sometimes it was a comedy. Sometimes it was a family drama. Uh, just They have uh, recently revived it for Apple TV. A, yes. uh, a A online platform that famously everyone has and uses. Yes, and everyone knows about and everyone... You saying that it's been revived for Apple TV is not news to anyone listening. Uh, they already knew that, and they're already watching it right now. You don't have to tell me about uh, Apple TV originals like Emily Dickinson or C, starring Jason Momoa in a world where everyone is blind. Uh, you don't have to tell me about uh, uh, any of the fine Apple TV originals. And I know there's no one at home listening to this, but if you don't know what uh what apple tv is just go ahead and pause this episode for a quibby look it up and then come back we'll be right there uh but uh there was an episode of amazing stories that i remember seeing as a child and i remember like sticking with me and like haunting me to my core and whenever i went to film school or whenever i would meet someone who seemed to know a lot about movies or television i would say did you have you ever seen this movie or have you ever seen this because i just saw it on tv once and i'd tell them you know, as I remembered it, every single thing that happened in the episode. And then I finally found it uh, years later, around the same time as uh, the 40th anniversary special of SNL, and found that one element of what I remembered of it was accurate and everything else was dead wrong. Like, everything that I remembered, like, in my heart, in my brain, just like, if I, I would have sworn up and down, I would have sworn on a Bible, that was my recollection of it, and I would have, I would have been dead wrong. Wow. And isn't, isn't that fun? Isn't it's that so fun much surprise? fun to know that a lot of what my life has been built on, like what a lot of I find is scary, uh, is just not, not real. <laughs> just, it's all, it's all horseshit. It's all hogwash. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, but, but Mr. Data has learned. Oh, yes. Comedy. Does he come back onto the, to the Enterprise deck and is like, hey, Coco, baby. <laughs> Mr. Worf, hey, yeah, yeah. He comes back on, it's it's so great. He comes back on the Enterprise deck. And uh, and Data's interpretation of comedy, like he's not doing like weirdo alt comedy or confessional like Chris Gethard comedy. He has a cigar in his hand. He's like, let me tell you something, folks. And <laughs> he's doing very just like, Mo Howard before he started slapping the Three Stooges comedy. Just very vaudeville-like. And it's great. 
hey, we're going to play a little game called Headlines. Hey, Kevin, <laughs> here's something. <laughs> and the Enterprise crew uh, was already frustrated with Data, and then he starts doing shtick, and then it's... <laughs> They just can't and take he, it anymore. Then he starts doing shtick, and then Data finds, like, 90s Conan, and so he starts, <laughs> he goes onto the holodeck, and he creates, like, vomiting Kermit and the masturbating bear, and then <laughs> Data starts doing the interrupter. Yeah, he arrives on a planet in, for, in front of a Federation dignitary and does the string dance, and just... <laughs> He carries a microphone so he can knock it over every time he emasculates himself on the show. <laughs> Whenever they bring on someone on view screen, the 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 head of the Romulan, like the captain of the Romulan ship, is not talking to Captain Picard, but rather a picture of Captain Picard where Data is doing the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> ah, make it so. <laughs> you have a wonderful planet for me to poop on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is very funny for any 90s Conan fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who, even anyone who's familiar with Star Trek at all, and not the 2009 Star Treks, but, you know, the the early 90s, yeah. Uh, if you, uh, this, you know, you hear about, uh, if you were a child in the 90s, you'd know this. This is that real, this is a real litmus test of if with your 90s kid or not. Yeah, if you are <laughs> Skin, truly, you will have to know what we're talking about. You have to know 90s Conan. You have to know uh, his bit where he does new 50 state quarters, where there's just badly photoshopped images on the back of quarters. You have to know uh, uh, his parody of headlines, actual items. You have to know. Oh, uh, Mini J. He's got the dwarf dressed as Jay Leno that drives around in the. Uh, the play school like a uh, hot wheels car you gotta uh -huh. know this stuff uh -huh. yeah when when on star trek the next generation they started doing spaceship vice by it being like two remote control hot wheels <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that data would like crash into each other you guys know this right you guys you know, guys know this. You, you've all seen your your 90s kids you understand i as a as a small child i really struggled like going to sleep at a reasonable hour and there were two things where I got in trouble because I was laughing so hard at them that it woke my parents up. And one of them was 90s Conan, specifically when the blizzard of New York hit and he was out in the field doing a live piece on it. Uh, and he was talking to this old man about it. And he's like, is this the worst snow you've ever seen? And this old man says, this isn't the worst snow I've ever seen. When I was a little boy, there was snow two stories high and there was a man going around shooting horses in the heads. And I just guffawed as a small child and woke my parents up because it was a school night and got grounded and uh, all for all for Conan, all for Conan, and it was absolutely worth it. All for Conan. And if and if you guys at home are uh, even more curious, you've got to know what the second one was. It was an episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Just we're going real deep '90s stuff here. Just oh, absolutely. Uh, space ghosts getting upset with Zorak and then Zorak burning him afterwards. That, you know, that just killed me as a little kid. And, got you, dude. And that, you know, like, there's a lot of Conan and there's a lot of space ghost where the comedy of it was that there's just guys talking and there were barely any jokes. And I don't know, we're doing Kevin now. <laughs> The next logical uh, escalation of that point. There's a there's a through line there. Uh, 
Conan at least had enough uh, energy and motivation to like film it and make it live action. The Space Ghost got lazier and just did recycled animation. And this is the, the laziest version of it where it's just audio. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a through line there from there's 90s Conan. Yeah. I think it all I think it all checks out. Absolutely. Did you ever have anything like that where like you uh you like woke up your parents or you got in trouble for laughing at something you shouldn't have or anything like that? Oh, I mean constantly. Like if a mouse sneezed, my mom woke up. Oh, right. uh, so it oh yeah, so it was I mean anything that I was doing uh after about 10 p.m. uh was 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 uh rotten to the core. Um but I remember uh I was there. Uh, when, uh, when, um, it was, we were, the next day we were slated to go to, like, mom's family Christmas or something like that. Okay. And I was up watching TV, like, way later than I should have been, because we had to get up early. Uh, and I remember being there for the first airing of Dick in a Box, <laughs> and just feeling like my life had changed. <laughs> That that I was that I was no longer the man I once was because I learned of those two lads putting their dicks inside of boxes. For me, it was um, I'm on a boat, and it was like seeing I'm on a boat when it aired live was like hearing Sergeant Pepper for the first time. You know, it was just Absolutely. like I'm never going to. I, comedy has changed for me forever. Uh, I, I totally understand what you're what you're getting at. Um, uh, you know, Yorma Takone, arguably, like, the greatest comedy director of the last decade. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Arguably, uh, way, way up there. Um, yeah, remember, remember, uh, that, that plotline on Star Trek where Data was slated for, like, years to replace Picard, and then, um, Picard left for his little vineyard. He was retired for about six months, and then came back with a little mini Star Trek show that would air before <laughs> Next Generation. Yeah. And it, like, completely tanked Next Generation. Oh, you mean Voyager. Uh, to the, yeah, to the point to the point where they just brought Picard back and, and threw Data into the vacuum of space. Man, it's like, just last night, we, uh, we, we saw the first episode with the Borg. And, like, this is where Star Trek is getting really good. But it's like... I also know that this is the beginning of the end. Like, I know there's so much more bad Star Trek uh, down the pipeline. I'm just like, Ugh. and it's just, it's like, though, it's like whenever you're, when you're a parent and you're realizing your kid's getting a little, like, too old to, like, cuddle with you anymore. And eventually they're going to want to, like, borrow the car and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, eventually they're going to be in high school. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the episode, the, this, uh, the two-parter from TNG. Uh, over the time slot, the captain's time slot <laughs> between Data and uh, Picard is a riveting piece of storytelling. And then you know Riker, of course, has got the Team Data bum uh, bumper sticker on his thing, on his inner on his prize on his uh, uh -huh, on uh -huh. his shuttlecraft. Yeah, and then uh, you know Tom Hanks came on and and coined the Team Data phrase, a fact that I think commonly gets left out of the narrative is that tom hanks was really he's he ignited that movement so whenever i was a little kid i there was one night you know i couldn't sleep and i stayed up and i saw jay leno for the first time and i was like oh my gosh this is so funny you know and it just it changed a lot of things for me uh but usually whenever the guests would come out i would you know that would just knock me out like a light you know that's just the best oh, sleeping sure. pill you can get um 
But there was one night where I couldn't make it, and I made it through the entirety of The Tonight Show, and I saw Conan for the first time, and then it was, like, Jehu. Uh, so, like, I was super Team Conan, and I was so happy whenever I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to have The Tonight Show, and I'll get to see him earlier. Like, this is wonderful. Uh, but then, like, I don't know if you feel That's the same That's where you way. learned about context. That's yes. where you learned that, like, comedy works best in certain contexts and it's really about the framing of it more than it is about the actual quality of the comedy yes uh absolutely and the part of what made conan so funny was how there was no effort put into it whatsoever but if you're going on to the most prestigious talk show of all time you have to put effort into it and then you lose something uh suddenly a guy in a bear suit miming masturbation doesn't play like yeah, you, you can't do a zero effort Tonight Show. You you, you can't, uh, but you've wanted the Tonight Show your entire life. So what exactly do you do? It was a huge bummer whenever that whole like Tonight Show scandal took place. But at the same time, I was like, Conan, this is a huge bummer that you're losing this. But also, you've not been funny. <laughs> like, I don't know Get what to do here. Like... Uh, I mean, and I guess everything worked out. Conan's still, you know, he's he's doing fine. He's doing better than fine. Uh, yeah, he's he's had a talk show for a hundred years, um, and uh, he invented podcasting. Yes, it was not until the arrival of Conan that a podcast truly began. Yeah, uh, um, he will one day get a friend, and uh, I think <laughs> I think it'll be good for him. <laughs> Do you think uh, he and Labamba still text? You would think so. Uh, yeah, Conan's band being the entire backing band for Bruce Springsteen. Like, <laughs> like, somehow they made it on television as just, like, Conan's band. Strange. Did I tell you that I met Jay Leno? No. Yeah, I met Jay Leno. He uh, In his garage? Yeah, I was in his garage. He was wearing the full uh, Canadian tuxedo. Uh-huh. Uh, he kept bragging about how he never spent any of his Tonight Show money. And then you ask... Okay, where all these cars come from? <laughs> all right, Jay, if you never spent a cent of your Tonight Show money, what the fuck was the point of you doing the Tonight Show for a hundred years? So I, I see that you uh, you never spent a dime of your Tonight Show money, but you're saying that as you hang out of the driver's side window of a 1910 fire truck? <laughs> of, uh, the, of, the, of the actual Batmobile? Not even like a movie replica? Like you, you found one? Just the, and not, and not the, the 1960s where it's just like a modified car Batmobile. This is a Tim Burton 89 Batmobile. This is yeah. the one where the pedestal comes out of the bottom and it spins the vehicle around. Like this is a fully functioning like like Mimi had in that episode of Drew Carey. You got the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, this show is for nobody except for us. We're talking about the Drew Carey show, about PNG, 90s hey, Conan. The Drew Carey show, and I, I will put my foot firmly down on the ground here. The Drew Carey show had the top three opening... Like oh, credits numbers of all time of all time that uh that crazy uh uh crane shot of everyone running down the street during the cleveland rocks intro hundreds of people and all this choreographed dancing and uh an incredible number one that he arguably tops later 
with the uh, up every morning just to keep my job. Oh open. yeah, <laughs> with the, like a full choreographed go-go dance number and ah, oh, ah, oh. insane. And I had always thought that um that. That huge crane shot during the Cleveland Rocks. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." They shot it at Hollywood Studios and and Disney, though. You know, it's kind of shot on a set. And then I found out, no, that's shot on the street of Cleveland. That's right down Main Street of Cleveland, Ohio. They like blocked off the entire Main Street of Cleveland, Ohio, for an opening shot of a sitcom on ABC. It's incredible. If they ever get the fucking Drew Carey show streaming, it's over for you fucks. I'm I'm gone. Like, anyone that relies on me for their creative output is shit out of luck. Because it's Drew Carey show all the time now, baby. There was a time during the summer where I was driving, and I was staying in a hotel room, and I had a hard out. Like, I had to check out at a certain time. I had to be on the road by a certain time. And at that time I was supposed to leave... The Drew Carey show came on the whatever channel I had on on the hotel TV, and I said, "I am not leaving. <laughs> I am watching an episode of the Drew Carey show." I'm gonna watch Diedrich Bader and Ryan Stiles and their and and their antics this week. I'm gonna watch Craig Ferguson in one of his few acting performances, and I'm sorry, that's just what's gonna happen. That's just how it's gonna be. Uh, I just that's I have just... to see. What Mimi is doing to Drew's desk this week. You don't what understand. What is she going to do years, a decade before Jim and Dwight would do office battle yeah. on, on the office? Drew and Mimi started it all. They set the template, man. I don't, I don't like talking about things being either over or underrated. But with that said, Drew Carey show, vastly underrated. Just. Vastly underrated as a piece of like absurdist... There is an episode of the Drew Carey show where Drew, at the beginning of the episode, falls asleep and he wakes up in China. (laughs) And then the rest of the episode is Drew Carey trying to, like, get back from China. There's an episode of Drew Carey they did live in three separate time zones and had different improvised bits in in, in, in each episode and each time zone they performed it in. There were multiple episodes of the Drew Carey show where they did pop-up video, like, look at this piece of trivia, but it was all fake trivia that they put, they they did an episode where they put a bunch of errors in the background and, like, hid cast members in the frame just for, like, a gag. Just for, just for the fucking lark. It's, I, I, it's, and it was on ABC. It was on mainstream television. Regular it's, TV. It's stuff that like adult swim would do now. <laughs> yes, the 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 channel that brought you, according to Jim, and just like the most bland vanilla baby food show you'll ever like any of the, like the most boring stuff you'll ever see. Like brought you Drew Carey, just like the most as you said, like absurdist, like Adult Swim level comedy that you'll ever see. That you'll ever see. And also, Drew Carey's show, Drew's brother is, of course, played by uh, the Zodiac Killer himself, John Carroll Lynch. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. And is a is a cross-dresser, is like a, is like a man in... Uh, I don't remember the exact mechanics. He might have just dressed like a woman. I don't think he was supposed to be trans. But it was a completely, like, sweet earnest. performance. It's, it's earnest. It's not framed as a joke. It's... This is who this man is, and it's just Drew's brother. And that that 
this show was airing in fucking 1998. <laughs> where that's like unheard of. This is pre-Adam Sandler, where like if you go back and watch Anger Management today, it's a hate crime. <laughs> um, it's just a 90-minute a hate crime. Yeah, Woody Harrelson as Galaxia is one of the most hateful things you'll ever see in a studio comedy. Not even to mention the plotline about John C. Riley's uh, uh, mentally handicapped sister uh, that runs throughout that movie. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That, that like, in this movie starring Adam Sandler, they talk uh, again and again as a joke about how they, like, abuse this young woman but years before that movie comes out you have like a kind-hearted portrayal of of drew carey's brother yeah anger management also had that like they fat shame gwyneth paltrow in that movie no heather graham heather graham that's right heather graham uh and yeah it's like... she's like a, an unhinged uh psychopath because she like eats a cupcake one time and it's like Heather Graham is a beautiful woman. Like, what are you talking about, Adam what Sandler? What are you movie? talking about? Also, Heather Graham can, like, eat a cupcake if she wants to. Yeah, let Heather Graham eat a cupcake. <laughs> let Heather Graham eat a cupcake. After all she's done, after all the... She's so funny in the second Austin Powers movie. She's she's great in Twin Peaks. Let her have a cupcake. After everything Heather Graham has done for us, you know... One episode of Arrested Development, uh, uh, her performance as Felicity Shagwell in The Spy Who Shagged Me. Like, let Heather Graham do whatever she wants. Also, I did not Google that. I just know that. That's just a piece of information that is in my... Those are the exact two uh, references you dropped as Heather Graham guy on Puffin. So I knew that was just <laughs> locked into your brain. Those are just fucking in the tank. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler movies are, are just, I, I don't know, I've not seen, I'm not seen uncut gems, but uh, I, I know I... Oh, it's quite good. I would uh, like to see it a lot, but uh, yeah, they're it's quite good. very mean in general, especially like Jack and Jill. Just like, it comes across even meaner when the whole like, the whole like thing you're supposed to take away from Jack and the Jill is like, hey, be nice to other people that look different from you. But the movie is so hateful and mean that you're like, I don't think you can have that message, movie. I don't think you're allowed to do that. You can't do a thing where like, you make fun of Jill's weight, but also ask the audience to feel bad for Jill whenever Norm MacDonald stands her up on a date. Like you can't, you just can't do both. You can't There's... include that after a scene where she destroys a horse with her weight. <laughs> Yeah. You can't do that. Where she it's sits illegal. on a horse and it's all four of its legs break. You you can't make the the movie The Longest Yard and ask me to like have empathy for these criminals when you the movie have like turned Tracy Morgan into like a horrible homophobic stereotype. You can't ask me to do it. That's the movie where Stone Cold Steve Austin drops an N bomb, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> Multiple, multiple, multiple. Times. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, he plays a guard in that movie. I, I'm guessing. Um, and all of them do again and again and again. I've never seen a movie that uses that word more Aye. than Adam Sandler's The Longest Yard. Aye. I've never, I've never seen it. It's in in its entirety. I remember coming in while it was playing and then hearing Stone Cold Steve Austin drop that. I'm like. 
you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. God. Yeah. That movie, uh, you got the give great this a Kali. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give this movie a stunner. I'm going to take my DVD copy of The Longest Yard and give it a Stone Cold Stunner. I, I walked into the room and I heard an N-bomb get dropped and I looked at the screen and I said, What? <laughs> and then snapped and some beers got through at me. <laughs> I'm going to walk onto the set of The Longest Yard and just blast it with a beer truck. (laughs) (laughs) Going to sneak into this movie's hospital bed and beat it with a bedpan. Do you remember whenever Stone Cold Steve Austin once made his boss believe he was going to murder him on live television and the audience was absolutely there for it? They were cheering for Stone Cold Steve Austin to murder his boss on live television and Stone Cold was the good guy. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do, and you know what? He was right. Like that was that was them doing it right. Because you watch you watch wrestling now, and and the 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 WWE storylines are all framed as like I'm an authority figure, and like oh my unruly employees. Like you all that are watching professional wrestling must know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I gotta I gotta whip these employees into shape. You. You guys at home watching professional wrestling know all about what to do. You know, you know all about managing workforce and folks abusing the time clock and you know all about that. You, you know folks. all about that. That's what you care about and empathize with. My plight as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> but you hate these employees who feel constrained by the system they're within. Don't you hate it whenever all these employees come out like... No, you can't throw pancakes around. If you're going to work here, you've got to keep things clean and orderly. <laughs> Sorry. That's the guy that I empathize with. The the guy who throws pancakes around? No, the, the guy who's oh, gotcha. like, everything must remain tidy. Yes, yes that's, that's who I want to win the wrestling match. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, my favorite wrestler right now is a guy who calls himself the librarian who gets upset when the audience cheers whenever he walks out and he has no entrance music whatsoever. And instead he has a microphone that he just goes, shh. Into. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing. I just, it makes me so happy. The fuck company is that guy? In? That's AEW. That's oh, he's in AEW. Yeah. The librarian comes out and is, uh, his little like, all these wrestlers have like Titan Trons, have like big videos that play behind them, and other guys have like flames, and other guys have like uh, space and all this stuff. And he comes out, and it's just a shelf of books. And he comes out and goes, shh. <laughs> just is upset at the audience for cheering and or booing. And it's my favorite thing. It's so wonderful. I, I I I really enjoy the wrestling librarian that they have on AEW. <laughs> Legitimately. 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 Kevin, we gotta I'm surprised we've done nine episodes of this and haven't talked about wrestling once. I'm really surprised. It's That's not true. Our second episode ends with us talking about uh Billy Kay and You're uh, right. That's, we that's haven't true. we haven't talked a lot about it, but we we do we do drop the iconics in that's there. True. So don't the, do not fret. Do not worry. It will it will happen. Yes, I forgot about uh our queen uh Billy Kay. Uh, I miss Billy Kay. Uh she's a wonderful lady. I miss her just Yelling and shrieking, shrieking into the microphone like a squawking hen. Uh, I, I miss, I miss those two loudmouth Australian women. I do too. 
Uh, remember that episode of Next Generation <clears throat> where they made a documentary about Data going around the country called <laughs> Mr. Data Can't Stop? <laughs> and Data cruelly uh, makes fun of Jack McBrayer and forces just him constantly. to yeah, just constantly just belittling Jack McBrayer and forces him to do a, a, a little hoedown dance and... It's it's a it's more of a thing that lore would do, but for whatever reason they have data do it, and Mister Data can't stop. <laughs> that's, a, that's I was just trying to find a closer. No, that's, I gotcha. Just trying to think of one more thing Conan did. <laughs> <laughs>